This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Um, so... I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I guess... The way I would describe it is... How do I move forward with the guilt and, like, live everyday life and be happy knowing that I gave my boys a genetic disease that comes from my side of the family? You know, there are some days that it just weighs down on me, and I don't know how to lift the cloud on the day-to-day of, like that punch to the gut when you remember. And it was just three years ago that I was a married woman without kids. And now I'm in the situation with two kids that are gonna have special needs and I blame myself. This is Motherhood Sessions. I'm Dr. Alexandra Sachs. Today, I'm talking to a woman we're calling Audrey. She's 32 and lives in Washington State with her husband and two sons. Last year, just days after giving birth to her second child, she found out that both her baby and her two-year-old had inherited a condition called muscular dystrophy. It's a disease that's not obvious at birth, but over time, it gets in the way of muscle development leaving many children unable to walk and some with severe heart problems. Audrey was familiar with the disease because her half-brother also has it. But she didn't realize until recently that she herself could pass this gene on to her children. Five months later, Audrey has come in to talk with me about living with this new reality. She's struggling with intense feelings of guilt about passing this condition on to her boys. I start by asking her what it was like to learn about her brother's diagnosis. We didn't know anything was wrong with him until probably around the time he was 10 or so. He started walking funny. Um, And then he um, and my mom went to visit my sister one time when he was probably 12. My sister, at this point, um, was fresh out of medical school. She was a resident. And she noticed that he used his hands when he would go to stand up. I think most people, we don't think about it, but when we go to stand up, we'll plant our feet and rise without using our hand, maybe a little bit for support. But my brother had to bear both hands of weight onto the sides of his chair and sort of jut himself forward and lift himself up into a standing position. And my sister said, that's not normal. So he did go to the geneticist and he was tested for muscular dystrophy, and they found a deletion in his gene for muscular dystrophy. And 
I remember exactly where I was yeah, when I me. found out that my brother. Where were you? I was on my college campus, and um, my sister called me, and she told me we got the news back. The genetic results say that my our brother has muscular dystrophy. We weren't clear on what type yet, um, but I just remember crumpling to the ground. I mean, I literally fell to my knees in the middle of campus, like on the grass, and just started bawling. Um, especially because we didn't know like, what that meant. I mean, we didn't know, like, does that mean he's going to die? Like, he was 13, you know, like, he was just a kid. So, um, they said um, he has this, and my sister said, mom's going to be tested as a carrier, if she's a carrier, then she could pass it on to all of her kids, and then we will need to be tested. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, well, just let me know what I need to do. Right. And the next thing I remember was that she just told me, we're in the clear. Mom doesn't have the disease. She's not a carrier. None of us need to be tested. Some version I, of don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. And one, I just, I don't remember asking more questions. I don't remember being more curious than that. I yeah. just remember saying, my sister's a doctor. They're working with the geneticist. The geneticist tested my mom. And it just made sense because she and I were healthy. My older brother was healthy. Um, we just were convinced that this was the science. I didn't know that there was any other chance for anything else. So, 10 years later, you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Was it a pre-pregnancy conversation, or you were you were already pregnant when you talked about genetic screening with your doctor? Um, I was already pregnant. You're already yeah. pregnant. Yeah, the thought never entered my mind. Uh huh. But and they did. They when I did the intake, they yeah. asked, um, "Do you have any genetic diseases in your family?" And I I said, "Yes, my brother has muscular dystrophy, but my mother was found to not be a carrier, so um, they didn't. They they were just like, okay, great. They just moved on from that." So they said you don't need any further screening. Right, yeah. Um, and then two weeks postpartum for the second for my second son. Things were going according to plan, and my sister um, texted me one day, and she said, we need to talk. And, and how many weeks was the baby? He was two weeks old. Mm. Instantly, my mind was just searching for what it could possibly be. And so I've got a two-week-old in my arms, and she sits down on the couch, and she says, oh, it's just like right now there's a pit in my stomach just trying to put myself back in this spot. It's the worst moment of my life. Um, she said, my son, her seven-year-old, has muscular dystrophy and it's the same type as our brother, the exact same deletion. And um, it was like another world experience. It was it was just like I've time froze, and I didn't even think about myself because the next thing that she said, and it was just I was said I'm so sorry, and I burst into tears, and I was just like, it didn't even connect the dots. What she said next was she said I'm a carrier. It turns out. What mom has is a very rare form where the deletion has happened in her eggs only, and that's why she didn't test positive as a carrier. She said, you could be a carrier, and this only exhibits in sons, and you could have passed it on to your boys. And there's nothing to prepare you for that feeling when you feel like someone has 
like punch you in the lungs and like all the air escapes. So I just, there's a blood test that you can do to measure the CK, CK levels, which are like these protein that can leach into the blood. And if it's high, I mean, there's a chance that you have like a muscle disease. And so um, I made an appointment the following day on a Tuesday with um, just our primary care physician. So um, we took the two-week-old and the two-and-a-half-year-old to this appointment. And um, it was the longest wait of our lives. I mean, there was not a window in the room. We were just sitting there, like, kind of just shaking and nervous. And the doctor walked into the room, and we saw the look on her face. And we knew. And um, she pulled up their CK levels. And she pulled up the baby first. He's two weeks old, and he's sitting at my feet. And she said... Mrs. Level is a thousand and it shouldn't be above 250. And then she pulled up the two and a half year old and she said, his level is 8,000. And just, it's the worst. My husband and I just burst into tears and hugged. And this is a moment I'll never forget. The odds that this would happen is exceedingly rare. If I had had girls, they would be just like me. They'd be healthy carriers. You know, I had to have two boys. Um, it's just terrible luck. It's just shit luck. Can you tell me a little bit about the for the prognosis for your boys? What's the range of what... This is hard, but what's the range of in terms of how the disease may affect them from the most mild to the most severe? So the worst version of this disease, these boys are in wheelchairs by eight or nine and um, heart problems as early as teens and many don't see their 30th birthday. Mm-hmm. That's the worst case. The The very best case is that they walk until their mid to late 20s, and that they are able to use a wheelchair into their 50s and maybe even 60. I mean, that's the very best case. So, I mean, we're hopeful. As far as the um, the life expectancy, expectancy mm-hmm. six, 60 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I fixate on the future, and, like, I think by nature I'm just a planner, and I think I, in my head, I planned this life of, like, how I wanted it to go, and I wanted to be married by this age, I wanted to have kids by this age, and I sort of planned out my life, but I think, I think with a progressive disease, it's sort of the, the unknowns, and I think the fear of the unknown is difficult for me. I, I think um, it can be crippling some days. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, when you have thoughts of, like, you always envision your kid's future and, like, if they're going to go to college and who they're going to marry and grandkids. And I'm, I like, just there's a big question mark. I just have no idea if that's in the picture for me. Um, so what, what does it look like when your idea of how your life was going to go isn't how it's going to go? Yeah. And I think another way that I'm hearing it is, like, is there life after like a catastrophic medical diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And like, I how think, do you live? Yeah, and I think I worry about I worry about them growing up and being like, "Mom, why didn't you 
why did you let us be born? Like, I, I don't know if they'll regret being born. I don't know if they'll, I mean, I, I, of course, I'm going to give them the best possible childhood that they, that any kid could ever want. But I, I didn't even, when I was pregnant, I didn't even, I didn't even think about it. I mean, I wouldn't have ever gotten pregnant if I had known I was a genetic carrier of this disease. That's not to say I want to take my boys back. I love them. I mean, they're perfect in every way besides their disease. That's not their fault. I mean, I would never take them back, but I think I, knowing what I know, I wouldn't have subjected them to a life that they didn't choose. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I guess I'd like to try to get oriented to kind of going back to your original question, yeah. how, how to move forward, how to do, how to move on. And I wanted to, if it's okay, go back to your brother for a minute because the repetition here, you and your mom, is really uncanny. Do you remember her reaction to finding out that your brother had muscular dystrophy? Um, my mom was completely shattered by the news. I mean, uh, you talk about walls crashing down on somebody. I mean, she just was devastated. Um, and so a lot of what I saw of the way that she handled it was a lot of um, a lot of negative feelings about herself, a lot of... Um, self-blame that she put on herself and always grieving, always grieving. I think 
anybody with a child with a disability will tell you that that grief looms. It's just like a cloud that's always there. And of course, you have good days and bad days like anyone else. But I think when you witness your child struggle, you re-grieve just a miniature grief every day. And so that was the example that I had of um, how you handle an adverse event in your life. Mm -hmm. Did you have any, do you remember any conversations with your mom about kind of how you were doing or any questions you might want to ask? It's funny because I feel like when I would ask my mom about it, she would sort of answer in very brief answers and try to shut it down as soon as possible. Um, I relied on the internet uh, just because my mom, just through body language and her answers, made it clear that it was just not something that she wanted to talk about. And it became a thing in the family of just not something that we even addressed. I mean, awkwardly enough, even when my brother started losing ability to do things and needing help, he needs help from people to stand. And we sort of shuffle over and help him stand up and then no one asks any more questions or addresses it or asks how he's feeling about it. And even after we got the diagnosis and my husband and I were talking to my mom shortly after the diagnosis and she said, you know, there's a tool that I use that's really helpful that you guys could employ and it's called denial. And we went home and my husband was like, what was that? <laughs> he was like, that's absolutely not the way that we're going to deal with this. Right. So you were reinforced by your mother that this is not something we talk about, that that was very painful for her. Mm -hmm. So why would you push into that pain? And it sounds like your mom may not have evolved beyond that. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. But that doesn't mean that you, that has to be the narrative of your grief. Mm -hmm. And you're living with, living with disability, mm -hmm. where it becomes more known to you. Have you ever asked your brother what, like, advice he would have for you or your boys? I talked to my brother in the early days. Um, I called him. And I just was like, what's it like living with this? Like, I, I'm going to need you to, like, be such a support because you're the one that knows all these things. And he he actually was a really good conversation. He was really um, insightful. And he said what in terms of, like, you, oh, you can ask me anything? or Yeah, yeah, he was totally open to it. He was, like, he, he was just answering very openly and honestly. And I, I just felt like, why haven't I talked to him more like this before? I, I just always thought that he didn't want to talk about it. And he even said, you know, call me anytime, text me anytime, I'll talk about it. And I'm just like, maybe I didn't ask him enough because I was channeling through my mom saying, don't talk to him about this. So I think it's asking and not being afraid to ask. And I think that's a new thing because I think you grew up afraid to ask because mm -hmm. of your mom's fear about talking about this, but you're learning that it's not so scary to talk to your brother about it, and he's not so scared of talking about it. So. I I think this is part of what contributed to how blindsided I was. I mean, you'd think you wouldn't be blindsided by a disease that runs in your family, but I was 
completely blindsided. Like you could have, there's nothing else that could have surprised me more, which is just the weirdest thing to say. I think because I totally bought stock in the fact that it's not, mom doesn't carry it, move on. And I just, it was completely absent from my mind. I mean, 100%. That is the power of denial. Mm -hmm. literally the disease was right in front of you, exhibited in your brother's body, but the narrative replaced the truth. The narrative replaced the actual body you were looking at, Mm -hmm. which was, there's nothing to talk about. The reason you didn't think about it, even though it was in front of your face, is that denial is contagious. And your mom was using it, and you caught it. And so... Of the million ways in which this is going to be painful, there may be in your future other experiences than what your mom has, which is the relearning any moment, any day for decades to come that they have this horrific disease because you've essentially pushed it out of your mind. So every time it's in front of you, you have to relearn it. You know, mm-hmm. it sounds like that is yeah. your mom's experience she plunged into that reality and you may be able to relate to your reality in a different way. So the fall is less far. Mm-hmm. So once once you're sort of like crossing over that bridge of denial, which you're already doing, mm-hmm. then what's next? What's after that? Mm-hmm. I, I'm looking for, I think, acceptance and I think I'm still cycling through the so-called stages of grief because um, sometimes I'll see like a healthy kid running and jumping and I'll just freeze and just have a feeling of dread of like, that's not my child. That's not. And and so I'm like, how does one process moving forward from those? And are the, is it going to be forever? Or how do I accept those feelings and, and greet yeah. them and move on. And Yeah, well, let's talk about what's happening in that moment um, when you see a healthy kid running and jumping. You said, you just said, that's not my child. Right, like that's not going to be him. Or like that's, you know, he can't do that. And that's apparent to me. And But I guess just a point of information, is it that your three-year-old, you know that there's a limit now and that, and that there's not going to be an advancement in his? Yeah, I don't. That's a good question. I I don't know how it's going to present. I don't know if he's going to gain the ability to run. And I just, I'm still grieving the future that hasn't happened that I don't know how is going to happen. And I just, um, it's a sucky feeling. And I don't, I don't want to just feel that wrench in my heart every time I see a healthy kid and feel sad about that mine aren't and that it's my fault. Are you someone who historically, in the course of your life prior to this, is very hard on herself? No. No. So that's no. new. It's yeah. new. It's new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've always I've always had, like, pretty good self-confidence. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely new that mm-hmm. I, I, at first, my self-confidence was trashed. I mean, yeah. I just felt like, I felt yeah. totally diseased. I felt yeah. completely like, yeah. uh, when you know that you carry... A genetic disease because it lives on one of my X chromosomes um, of the two that I have. And so um, 
in a sense, it's weird to accept that, like, I have it, too. I just don't exhibit the symptoms because I have the protective X. Right, right, right. Maybe I'm just still, like, beating myself up. How could you not? That's that's okay. This is new. This is brand new. You've... I think I'm really hard on myself. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of realizing that, like, like I'm my own worst enemy right now. I just, I can't forgive myself. And it, well, I think it's just a hard situation to live in where I'm walking around life, like carrying this really big burden, like trying to be normal. And I just don't feel normal right now. What is, what is it that you feel you feel ashamed of, that you feel that you did wrong? Specifically, um, that I didn't get tested and find out if I'm a carrier. I know, I know, I wasn't told to, but I just, for some reason, keep telling myself like I, I should have just had the thought like better be safe than sorry, and I should have just done it because it wouldn't have been that hard. And that's where the shame and guilt comes from. It's just like, but I think this loop is going to keep coming back. The what if? Yeah. That's that's part of grief, right? I think it's there's a bargaining aspect. You know, can I go back and just do it differently? But you have a very clear reason as to why you didn't do it differently. Yeah. And it was not about your negligence, it was not about your error, it was not about a slip of fate. You actually were simply following instructions. Mm -hmm. That you followed your doctor's recommendation. Mm -hmm. I think my husband's able to see it that way. I don't know what I don't know what's holding me back from forgiving myself. You know, I think that the larger theme here is about, well, there are multiple ones. I think the first one we've already covered, which is about denial. Mm -hmm. And I think the second part of this story is the narrative that you tell yourself in your head about your son's lives Mm -hmm. and your life. Yeah. And that's the, the challenge is opening up space for a new narrative. But the thing is, you don't know what the future holds. Mm -hmm. You don't know what that narrative is. And so I think the acceptance, it doesn't have to be I accept this this type of medical problem and this type of medical problem because you actually don't know the details of how it's going to unfold for them. Mm -hmm. But it's it's accepting that you don't know and that the way that you're going to parent is by being with them, supporting them, accepting them one day at a time. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you say that because I um, I feel like the only way that I can feel peace is just focusing on one day at a time. Because if I if I'm focusing on the what ifs of the future, I just can so fast spiral. And if I'm focusing on what I could have done in the past, it's the same. It's like anxiety, like what well, could have, would have, should have. Like yes. I, it just it'll, it'll kill me. And so I think I just need to remind myself like every day 
just to what to be thankful for that day. Sure. Or if that's, you know, that's a tall order, even what problems you have that day. It doesn't always have to be this gratitude thing. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to, there will be bad days where there's mm-hmm. more more things to be angry about than thankful for. But all you have is that problem of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what the problem t- 10 years from now is going to be. So you don't have to spend mental energy on that problem too. Mm-hmm. Just one day at a time. What's in front of me today? Yeah. You know, and sometimes that's gratitude. Sometimes that's problems. Sometimes that's anger. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's really just you don't know beyond what's in front of you today with your children and with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's really scary for me. Right. Just like being helpless. But you're not helpless. And there's a lot to learn. And you're going to learn from them. And I think you're going to start learning more from your brother as you spend more time together, as you describe you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the first things I said post-diagnosis to the doctor is, um, you know, through tears, I was just like, I don't know how to be that mom. And so I, I just have a lot to learn. And it's just, it's a new, it's a whole new world. Yep, and, yep. And those are the conversations you're going to have in your head about, this is a whole new world. That's why I'm... That's why I'm feeling so overwhelmed right now. I don't know how to be that mom. So how am I going to learn and how am I going to give myself permission to learn and not beat myself up for the process? Mm -hmm. So like any other parent, the way to support a healthy sense of self in a child as they're growing up to accept their bodies and their experiences and, and themselves is to be there with support and encouragement mm-hmm. of who they are. Mm-hmm. And that's their joys and their pains day to day are going to be right in front of you. They're they're not going to be housed within the narrative of the arc of their lives in a medical textbook and and the progression of their disease. There there's no there's no prescription. There's no one narrative for happiness. And that's certainly true for differently abled people. Yeah. It's just weird to, I mean, we're like loving these babies and raising them and um, they don't know anything's going on and we're having this internal crisis. And and at the same time, nothing has changed because right now my boys are healthy. So it's just my knowledge about what yeah. is going to happen that's changed. I mean... We're all thriving despite what's going on. Yeah. Your boys are thriving, and I have no doubt that they will continue to thrive because okay. you're going to do the best you can. Mm-hmm. And I love them so much. I want to be the best mom that I can be, like whatever that is for them. I'm really thankful to have them. I think at first... I had a lot of guilty thoughts of like, I shouldn't have done this, like I shouldn't have had them. And it was, they were so little, you know, like two weeks old and two and a half years. And I was like, this just happened. Like if I would have only known. And um, But now I'm so thankful for them because they're precious. And I think they can teach me a lot.
Motherhood Sessions is a production of Gimlet and Spotify. It's produced by Peter Bresnan and Kimmy Regler. Our editors are Devin Taylor and Nazanin Rafsanjani. Music and mixing by Emma Munger. We're off next week, but we'll be back with a new episode on Thursday, February 6th.